This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. It's been said that we should watch and pray lest we enter into temptation. For our flesh is, our spirit truly is willing, but our flesh is weak. Well, what if it said, let's fast and pray lest we... Uh, enter into temptation. I wonder if watching and fasting might have something to do with each other. And what if we are in such a time, such a place, such a circumstance, such an environment in our world in general, and in our world individually, that we really, really need to watch and pray. The scripture says also that we should pray without ceasing. We're told also that prayer is an absolute necessity for us to have our communication with God, because without that, well, basically, we have no communication. But what if in our lives we're in such a situation where we are weak in our spirit? We are seemingly lacking in so many areas in our life lacking discipline, lacking self-control, lacking courage, lacking faith that we desperately need for times like these. What can we look to to assist us in making the necessary changes here in the early part of this new year that people are telling us is going to be perhaps one of the most traumatic years that we have ever experienced? Well, today on Viewpoint, we're going to focus on just that. And I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And today, we're going to talk about, well, fasting for a change. Actually, fasting for change in our own lives. We're going to be talking with a special lady who really has a serious conviction, not only for herself, but for all of us, that we as professing Christians need to take up another spiritual discipline that will be so critical for us in these challenging times in which we live. Tammy Hospeller is joining us here today on Viewpoint. Uh, Again, she's been with us before, and she's joining us again today to talk about fasting for change. For some of us, it might be fasting for a change, (laughs) <laughs> because maybe maybe you have never enjoyed fasting before, and I say enjoyed in uh, a little bit of a, uh, a tongue-in-cheek fashion, because fasting is not something that we're intended to enjoy per se, but something that we're intended to do so that our joy might be full, ultimately, in our relationship with the Lord. Tammy Hotsman joining us from Southern California, I think uh, anybody in Southern California should be fasting because of the desperate nature of things in California. How about you, Tammy? Well, thank you for having me on. And, of course, we do need to be fasting in California. We need to be fasting for our governor. We need to be fasting for our our officials. We need to be fasting for our churches. We need to be fasting, I I believe, fasting nationwide. But um, God is moving. Don't forget us in California. Don't forget the great revivals of America have started in California, so we are holding fast. Well, we've had a lot of things that started in California. Uh, I started in California. Well, in many respects, I did. 
uh, spent 30 years there as a, pro- a practicing attorney, and before that, nine years as a uh, public school teacher. And uh, so many things were starting then that we're now experiencing all across the country, uh, for good or for ill. And uh, so California has had a unique and a very special place uh, in our lives, and uh, we still have friends there in California. And uh, it's challenging. It's very, very challenging uh, because the government there is seeking to uh, create an environment uh, such that we thought perhaps we were already experiencing in the country but haven't experienced to the extent that uh, the governor there in California is seeking to impress upon we the people, which means that people have to be able to stand in the evil day, have to have the courage to stand, have to have the will to stand, have to have the discipline to stand. All of those things seem to be Mm -hmm. very tough for American Christians to come by, don't they? Amen. Amen. Well, as you know, I was just on your show not long ago speaking of the topic of fasting, but you know, here we are in a new year. We are believing God for more in 24. And yes, I agree with you on California, but it, literally it is nationwide. We it must is. admit that, you know, I'm, to be honest, I want to share with your listeners this book. When I was on my prayer walk, maybe a year ago, Holy Spirit told me fast for a change. Tammy, you want to see a change, you need to fast for a change. And I really felt impressed he was telling me to fast for a change in America. And I've been pretty politically involved. Um, I, I really teach people their responsibilities, both as citizens and spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. So I literally believe that, I'm going to be honest with you. So God said to me literally very clearly, you won't see a fast in America until you see fast in or change in Americans. Exactly. And it really is It, it is compu- just really incumbent upon the church, let's be honest. This, this clarion cry is to the church, if my people mm-hmm. who are called by my name will right. humble themselves, repent and turn from their ways, listen, we want to change, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. We're not going to see a change in America until we see a change in our churches and believers. And we're not going to see a change in our churches until we see a change in you and me and in our families. Amen. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking back. And, of course, our conversation today is not primarily uh, politically oriented. But uh, I'm thinking back uh, in the days when the Christian coalition was still operative. I don't know that it is today. Started by Pat Robertson. And uh, the initial leader of it uh, left. And uh, two other gentlemen were appointed to be the co-leaders of the Christian coalition. And uh, when they were appointed, they made this statement. America will not change until the hearts of the people change. He said, they said, we can fill every elective office in our country with professing Christians and we'll still not get change. America will not change until the hearts of we, the people, change. Well, how does that come about? What is the implementation of that kind of change? When our hearts have become so consistently, well, satisfied, it seems. Everything seems to be going pretty well for most of us. And so, yes, we see the dark clouds on the horizon, and we hear a few thunderclaps out there. But the reality is we're just not all that motivated to change 
And I think that's really where your book comes in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've said it, and you asked the question, now let's answer it again with the Scripture, if my people. And we don't want to humble ourselves. We don't want, I just did a, a podcast on humility, and we don't want to humble ourselves. We live in a day and a culture, as we know the Bible tells us in Timothy, in those last days, what they're mm-hmm. going to be like. Perilous times. Pride, absolutely. And we're filled with pride, and we're filled with arrogance, and we live in a selfie, you know, in a self-satisfying and self-righteous society. So let's just be honest. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be very truthful. I have gone on the journey in my prayer walk of asking Holy Spirit to show me my own heart first. Well, that's so exactly where we need to start. Show me, and show me my heart first. Show me what I need to do. And then what happens is the Spirit of God does course correction. There you and go. We'll be back with the, with the rest of this after this break, friends. Tammy's on fire today. Stay with us. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. Sometimes it takes a crisis in our lives to push us into a new spiritual realm. Desperation. We have to feel desperate. Perhaps that's the catalyst for breakthrough. But then what? Well, Tammy, our special guest today, says there are some realities in our lives that are simply not going to shift without both prayer and fasting. We fight spiritual battles on two primary fronts, the war with our flesh and the war with our enemy. And fasting is crucial to winning both of those battles. Couldn't agree more, Tammy, and that's why we brought you on here to, today to talk about this as we launch into this new year. And uh, you say that you have had a practice of uh, intermittent fasting that uh, oftentimes the uh, health gurus are... Uh, encouraging people to to do but what you're talking about here in your new book is the practice of fasting for spiritual warfare it's something more than just intermittent fasting for health reasons isn't it right right you know great topic to talk about because we live in a day with social media and we're all into health and fitness and how to be our best self And although I definitely believe in the health benefits of intermittent fasting, Mm -hmm. that's for a physical benefit. But until you do that shift and you understand what Jesus was saying in Matthew 6 when he was talking to the disciples after they couldn't call out this demonic spirit, some things only happen by prayer and fasting. And that's in reference to the mountains. He said there are mountains in your life, and if you have just a grain of, of faith, a grain of faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, and that's in, in reference to this, literally this demonic spirit over this boy, this mountain in this boy's life. He said to the disciples, if you have that kind of faith, literally you can move the mountain, and it can only be done with prayer and fasting. And we don't always put that story together. We know that scripture of mustard seed faith, but this is in context of not being able to call out the demonic spirit over this young boy. And Jesus said, this kind, however only comes out 
with prayer and fasting. And I just think our church is not taught the spiritual weapon of fasting. Well, it's also a spiritual discipline, as you've indicated. We don't much like the word discipline either anymore in this country. Uh, parents don't like the word discipline. Uh, pastors don't much like the word discipline. Everybody's running from the word discipline. So we don't have even self-discipline anymore, which is at the very heart of living a faithful uh, life in Christ. So mm-hmm. you say the choice is that we have to make is to suppress our flesh sufficiently so that the flesh doesn't reign over us. So fasting, I love what you said here. Fasting is not a duty, but a doorway of faith and focus that takes us to a new spiritual realm with God. And uh, I couldn't agree more with that. I think we're we're in a desperate time. And can I just make a little confession to you? As I was praying, uh, preparing today and going through your book and preparing for how to communicate this uh, to our listeners today, the Holy Spirit really touched my own heart and mind and said, Chuck, you need to get back into this yourself. Mm. You need to get back into this yourself. Uh, it's very easy uh, to move forward with certain disciplines that you have in your life. And uh, most people that look at my life uh, have always thought that I was a person of uh, pretty significant discipline, self-discipline. But quite frankly, at this juncture right now, I realize the Holy Spirit has quickened my own mind and heart that Mm -hmm. I need to go back to prayer and fasting and uh, in order to gain dominion, a kind of consistency, determination, courage, whatever it is, all of these different things that God would have me to be able to uh, endure to the end, shall we say. Mm. Well, great. first of all, great confession, and I think that's encouraging to your audience, you know, that fasting has been a practice in your life, but maybe not currently. And I really do believe if we want to see the breakthrough in 24 that we're asking God for, as we mentioned, we know we're in an election year. We love our country, but it must start in our own hearts and in our churches. And that spiritual discipline, I'm going to be honest, Chuck, it's changed my life. I literally am on now a journey of regularly fasting Mm -hmm. because there are things in my life, whether it be health issues, whether it be financial issues of people, I guarantee you that there's something about fasting. And why don't we want to fast? We love to gratify the desires of our flesh. Oh, come on. Why did you have to tell us that? I mean, we live in a day of indulgence. I mean, let's just talk about, I mean, let the, the Sisters of Indulgence who just came to the Angel Stadium here in my own city in Anaheim. We live in a day of indulgence. We want to indulge ourselves. Mm-hmm. But the Bible never, food was never meant for indulgences. And yet, you know, social media, everything is about food. You're scrolling through recipes, you're, you know, all this food, that food. And we have to take a break from food. And I believe, to me personally, and this is my conviction, fasting is about food. It's not about fasting Netflix or the Internet or shopping. (laughs) It's a great thing. You know, and I think they're good to abstain from, Chuck. I mean, honestly, Uh I know I'm actually one of those different speakers, but when I go back to the original word in the Greek and the Hebrew and the Word Mm -hmm. of God, it has to do with food. Because remember what this is. It's a a test between the flesh and the spirit. Yes. It's a test between not gratifying the desires of the flesh, and if I can say no to food, I can say no to other things in my life. And so, yeah, my stomach starts growling at 7 a.m. I just start interceding in prayer. I drink a big glass of water. Mm. I get on my knees. I go on a prayer walk. I busy myself at work. 
because I will not let my flesh win. And this is why Jesus wants us to learn this, Chuck. We have to discipline our flesh so we can see the things of the Spirit work. Well, if we do not discipline our flesh, we are going to be overwhelmed by the persecution that is rapidly coming upon us. What you did not know is that uh, I just completed yesterday, chapter 15, of my 11th book called When Persecution Comes. Mm. And uh, it is requiring all of the passion uh, of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, that I can bring forward to God's people because I know it's not a subject that they want to hear. But Mm -hmm. the reality is, it's coming, it's coming rapidly, and God's people are not prepared. And one of the reasons they're not prepared is because, well, we're just indulgent. And we Mm -hmm. have a, we have uh, an entitlement mentality, and uh, we're just not prepared to endure anything. Well, Chuck, let me say this. Um, I really believe that people are looking for answers. It's funny you just talked about spiritual disciplines. I just finished a series of eight lessons on my podcast on spiritual disciplines, the spiritual disciplines of the Bible, Mm -hmm. and it is my number one series of podcasts on right now. And the reason I say that is because people are looking for answers, and we're really not educating our church. We're not equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry, and people are hungry, and they're searching for answers. Mm -hmm. So thank you for your book. Thank you for talking about persecution. The Bible does say we're going to have to introduce endure persecution. Um, but I'm telling you, people are hungry, and they are looking. So to your listeners right now, take heed and listen. Holy Spirit's telling you some things in your life, some mountains. All you need is the faith of a mustard seed, and you speak to that mountain in faith through fasting and prayer. Be gone in Jesus' name. All right. Well, you quote uh, William Wilberforce, that wonderful fellow back there mm-hmm. in uh, not-so-jolly-old England that was fighting right. for 40 years against the slave trade, seeking to move the seemingly unmovable British uh, uh, stubbornness, uh, and finally did. But he made a statement that uh, you have incorporated into your book, and here it is. Things great have small beginnings. Every downpour is just a drop, a raindrop. Every fire is just a spark. Every harvest is just a seed. Every journey is just a step, because without that step, there's going to be no journey. Without that raindrop, there can be no shower. And without that seed, there can be no harvest. What I gather from this is that the implication is that if we will purpose in our minds and hearts to engage in prayer and fasting, that small, seemingly small, meaningless seed from an American viewpoint, God will see our determination, our commitment, and our willingness to fight against the dominion of our flesh and will allow us to be stronger in faith and ready for the times that are coming. Amen. Amen. So well said and great quotes. And let me just say to your audience right now, that's why I wrote the book. That's why I really want to be your fasting coach. I'm I'm an executive life coach, and that's what I do. And in the book for 21 days, I literally have videos every morning, Chuck, that I'll meet everyone. I'll give you 10 minutes of coaching for just that 24-hour period. My friend, you need accountability. You need a resource. This book is a good book, 21 days to change in your personal life. So I hope your audience picks up a copy on my website or on Amazon or any bookstores 
and join me. I'm actually starting on uh, January 21. Well, we're offering it right here, Tammy. We're offering it right here on our website. Oh, good. Uh, good, And it's yours, friends, for your gift of $18 to Save America Ministries. Uh, Fasting for change. That's change you can believe in. Not the phony kind of change that we were promised before that we could believe in, but this is the real change that we can believe in from God's viewpoint. And remember, viewpoint determines destiny. $18 on our website, saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, Tammy, you mentioned uh, your podcast. Uh, go ahead and uh, tell us how uh, folk can connect in with that. Well, and thank you for the support on the book. I appreciate how people get that through your, your website. If anyone has questions or wants to know more, you can reach me at my name, which is Tammy Hobson Piller, H-O-T-S-E-N-P-I-L-L-E-R. For those driving, don't stop to write it down, <laughs> but we do want to encourage you. Um, but you can find, my, find me on YouTube. You can find me on my podcast. I do a lot of coaching, a lot of teaching. I love the Word of God. Mm-hmm. This is my 11th book, so congratulations, Chuck. It's my 11th book as well. Uh-huh. But I love to teach the Word of God, and I love to coach people. But what I love about this is I literally every morning will give you a coaching video. They're free. They're on my website. Every morning you just have a little encouragement and accountability for these 21 days through the fasting time together. Well, they say it takes 21 days to reestablish a habit. So this would be a very good thing. Not that you need to fast for the 21 days, but you could. And uh, I, I would suggest that if you're going to... Uh, begin the process of fasting and the practice of fasting that you begin perhaps with, uh, say, three days. Uh, a three-day fast will enable you to uh, move through most of the negative aspects of uh, fasting, which would incur feeling hungry and perhaps a little weakness, <clears throat> uh, maybe even a little dizziness in your head until your system gets settled down. But uh, a three-day fast is a reasonable uh, fast to take. You can start with a one-day fast if you wanted. Uh, A one-meal fast is uh, relatively insignificant, I would think, to really accomplish these purposes. Perhaps it's a beginning for someone uh, to establish a spiritual discipline. What say you, Tammy? Well, of course, I agree with you. I think Holy Spirit will lead you. Um, the book is based on a 21-day fast. Of course, we know Daniel did a 10-day fast and a 21-day fast. I'm with you. I tell people to be smart, be safe, check with your doctor, mostly be led by the Holy Spirit. But I do believe that within a 21-day window, a three-week period, we know that scientifically, if we can make course correction in 21 days, they say we can make course correction for life. So I think just the habit I tell people to do what's easy. Maybe you can either skip a breakfast if you can do that. Maybe a certain, um, maybe you don't eat till 10 a.m. Maybe you say, I'm going to fast every morning till 10. Do what works for you to get started because mm-hmm. we want you to be successful. And in my book, I walk through lots of resources and scriptures. Always get your doctor's um, approval for that. But my books are based on a 21-day fast. And, again, lots of, of ways you can do that. Juice fast, um, give up carbs, give up alcohol, give up what it is God tells you to do, but be safe, be smart, but also remember, we're trying to teach our flesh no. So if there's not something to strengthen you in this, if it's just, oh, I don't really eat breakfast anyway, so I'm going to fast, 
I really don't believe that you're entering into something that you're going to grow in your spiritual walk where you tell the enemy no, you tell your flesh no. So at least make it a challenge enough that you can begin to see Holy Spirit work. Well, a two-year-old doesn't learn to grow uh, into maturity until they respond to the word no from mom and dad. And uh, God is our father, and he wants us to learn the word no uh, with regard to our flesh. Otherwise, we become indulgent in the flesh. And uh, here's what the Bible says about our flesh. If we indulge in the flesh, it leads to corruption. That which is of the flesh leads to corruption. And what we're trying to do is deliver ourselves from this corruption in our spirit so that we are in control, the Holy Spirit's control, and God can get begin to bring about the change that is needful in our lives for such a time as this. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Fasting for courage. The famous philosopher Gatey once said, Courage lost, all lost. Courage lost, all lost. When the Russian Solzhenitsyn came over here to the United States of America after escaping the gulag there in Russia, one of the first things that he noticed was and wrote about is he found such a lack of courage in America. And that was decades ago, friends. Decades ago. We need courage. When God spoke uh, to Joshua before he uh, headed out to take the promised land, he said, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble. Do not be dismayed. Be strong and courageous. But how do we muster that kind of courage when we are addicted to the flesh? Well, Bailey Graham put it this way. Courage is contagious. When a brave man or woman takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened to do the same. Tammy, I was so appreciative of uh, that chapter in your book, Fasting for Courage. And uh, we, we desperately need to be strong and courageous in this day and age, don't we? Well, we do, and that's actually, I think, um, our fourth day together is our day three is the day on courage. So each day I give you a different topic that we're fasting for, and that one particular one is courage. I use the story of Esther, and, of course, we all are quoting right now for such a time as this. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if people really understand where that's coming from. Here was a queen that was so strong, 
And, of course, the Jews, like now, were being looked at to be annihilated, to be wiped out, as they have through really their whole history. And here was this young woman who was probably enjoying all the benefits of the of the royal kingdom when her cousin Mordecai came and said, we are getting ready to be annihilated. And she said, go gather the Jews and fast for me, and I will gather my maidens, and we will fast. And let me just say this. I believe this is important. What I love in this chapter is I talk about... Tammy, can I ask you, can I ask you and interrupt here? Uh, yeah. The, there, your voice now just came back. Oh, sorry about that. Can I'm you not, hear me now? Oh, very clearly. I don't know what was going on there, but uh, your voice I drifted apologize. off dramatically. Did you hear? Well, then I don't want to miss what I said because it was good. Should I re- rephrase it? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So I wanted to share here that on day three, when we talk about courage in the book, which we have 21 different days to talk about topics, courage is one that we have to realize is Queen Esther. So we're looking at this woman in such a time as this, as we all quote for today, and we have to understand that you can't just quote that blindly. You have to understand here was this beautiful queen who stood before the king. In a moment, she could have been annihilated like mm-hmm. all the Jews. Right. She had to be summoned. But here's what I really, Chuck, want you to see. When God gives you courage, God will give you strategy. And God gave Esther strategy. Here's this beautiful woman who put on her royal robes. And she stood in the doorway of the king. She knew she could not enter unless she was summoned. So ladies, put on those royal robes and stand in the doorway and let the king summon you. See, I believe God will give us strategy. But she had to have courage, just as I used that quote with Billy Graham. She had to have courage to stand for her people. Mm -hmm. And we are definitely seeing what's happening in Israel today. They're once again trying to be annihilated. My friend, you can fast for courage. Courage in your marriage, courage in your business, courage in your dreams. We must fast for courage. Well, indeed, uh, we have to be able to stand, and having done all to stand, stand. But if we don't, what people don't realize is they'll quote that passage out of Ephesians, but what they don't realize is that in order to stand, you have to stand courageously. In other words, Mm -hmm. there's courage that's required Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. stand in the face of difficulty. And that's exactly what uh, Daniel had to face. Uh, The Bible says that Daniel was one of the three most righteous men in the Scriptures. Believe it or not, it does say that. And uh, yet here he was as a young man taken captive to Babylon, uh, a very secular, very godless country. And yet he was committed to the Lord. Now, how do you commit yourself to the Lord amid uh, an unrighteous environment where you're being seen as having some amazing abilities and qualities that God has given you, but you have to be able to persist in the face of that which would intimidate you? And I think that's one of the things that, that we're lacking among professing Christians today, even among our pastors they're just, they're intimidated by the culture. They're trying to win the culture instead of allowing us to live in such a way that uh, they're, they're trying to be like the culture in order to win the culture. It doesn't work that way. Uh, and so Daniel was willing to stand and having done all to stand. And, of course, you bring that focus for faith, fasting for faith, that sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. 
Mm-hmm. Well, let me. I love that, Chuck. And let me just go back to that because you mentioned Daniel. Mm-hmm. What do we love about Daniel? Is he wasn't afraid to go before the king and say, "Test me." Test me with this fast. We're talking about fasting. Mm-hmm. So he literally said, take this before eat the choice foods of the king. And, of course, we know they were foreign foods. Some of them sacrificed to mm-hmm. idols. Daniel did not want to defile himself. What if we wouldn't defile ourselves? Well, what if we didn't defile ourselves with the laws of the land? Mm-hmm. You know, many people through this whole thing through COVID said, you know, that we had to obey governing authorities. And I'm telling you, we didn't close here at our church at Influence Church in this great state of California. We stayed open. And I liken it to Daniel, who literally had a strategy to go and say, King, would you just watch us? Like we said here to our mayor in Anaheim, would you just watch us? We're going to feed the homeless. We're going to take care of the needy. We're going to be the church. And literally they gave us favor in our own city. And that's the strategy. That's what's got to happen. We have to have the boldness to fast and pray like Daniel. They just watch me. If my countenance, if my literally body, you're going to see me healthier by drinking water and eating vegetables than these sacrificial foods and idols. And the king said, oh, I see it, Daniel. I see it in you. And that's what I want to hear. I want to hear whether it's a Biden, whether it's a Newsom, whether it's a Pelosi. I don't care who it is. I want you to say, oh, I see it in you. But to your point... We, ha- we can't. We have to stiffen that spine and be strong and courageous yeah. and bold and not compromise. We have to have a voice and know that firm foundation we stand on is Jesus Christ. Well, exactly. And, of course, uh, things didn't always go well with Daniel. Uh, in fact, uh, the politicians of the day conf- con- uh, conspired against him to create a situation and a law from the king of the Medes and Persians that if you didn't bow down, uh, if you bowed down to anyone other than the king for 30 days, you'd be thrown in the lion's den. And uh, Daniel said, well, you know, uh, I follow the Lord. He didn't make a big deal of it, but he continued to pray three times a day, as he always did, and he didn't hide from it. He opened his window and did exactly that. And, of course, uh, he was then guilty, shall we say, uh, for the wicked conniving that had been uh, brought against him and thrown in the mm-hmm. lion's den, uh, things are always going to go wonderful and peachy keen for us uh, just because we're fasting or, and praying. On the other hand, it enables us to be able to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, doesn't it? Amen. Well, let's go back to that story. It's so good, Chuck, because, listen, that king loved Daniel. Yep. There was something on Daniel. Daniel was set up, as we know. And what was it the Bible says King Nebuchadnezzar did? It said he didn't eat all night. Mm. He literally fasted because he loved Daniel. Yeah. And he ran to the den, and he said, Oh, Daniel, oh, <laughs> Daniel, has your God been able to deliver you? From the lion's den. And it said when he looked down, I love this part, when he looked down, he knew he had thrown three in, right? And he said, yet I see a fourth standing and strong. Mm. We know the Spirit of God was right there with him. So that's what I'm telling you. When we speak bold, there is protection around you. Even those who, who may not even align with you and know they've watched you. Our witness is so important. So when you're fasting, people are watching you. They're watching your testimony. They're watching your breakthrough. They're watching your faith. So we test for test, or we fast for testimony. We fast for breakthrough. And I'm telling you, some things only happen, as I mentioned in the book, as the Bible mentions in Matthew, by prayer and fasting. Exactly. You know, uh, just uh, before uh, 
we scheduled you to come on, Tammy, a piece came through from Larry Tomzak uh, on WorldNet Daily, and uh, it's called 15 Benefits of Fasting in 2024. So it's a it's a rather lengthy piece, but I want to just share these 15 items very quickly, and I know that you will agree with them. Uh, renews, getting started and stay motivated by regularly reviewing these potential benefits of fasting. Every new spiritual vision brings a holy brokenness, purifies our heart, humbles our soul, releases spiritual guidance, subdues our flesh, heightens spiritual awareness deepens communion with God, clears our minds to hear God, brings supernatural refreshing, adds power to prayer, brings deliverance, brings greater fruitfulness, facilitates breakthroughs, and cleanses the body and helps us lose weight even at that. Uh, I thought that was a pretty excellent list there. And uh, certainly it goes along the lines of, of, of your book, and uh, guiding us to uh, get into the discipline of fasting. It is a discipline, isn't it? Amen, amen. And, you know, I know some people have probably already tuned us out. You know, they don't either understand fasting, they think it's an Old Testament principle. But I'm telling you what, fasting did not stop in the New Testament. Remember when the uh, disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and said, why are your disciples not fasting with us? Right. And when the bride... When the bride, uh, bridegroom is with you, you will not fast, but he will be taken away, and during that time, you will fast. And so we know during that period of time, of course, the bridegroom was there, Jesus was there with them, but a time will come when you will fast. And then he says to them in Matthew uh, 6, when you fast, when you pray, when you give. So I'm just telling people that are, are New Testament believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is told by Jesus himself when you fast. And I think some of you just need that breakthrough that fasting will do because it has to do with your flesh and say no for just a few hours when you want to eat and you say no and you let your stomach growl and you go into prayer and you go into intercession and you go into believing and exercising your faith. I want people to go deeper in their walk with God, Chuck. I want to see America wake up and rise up in the faith that this country was found on. Mm. And I believe we've got to start with the discipline of fasting. Absolutely. All right. We'll be back after this with Tammy Hospiller and uh, get her book. It's $18 on our website, saveus.org. Write to us, Save America Ministries, and $5 for Pulsing and We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Well, if we want to see first century Christianity arise today on the near edge of the second coming, 
we might just want to do what first century Christians did. They prayed and fasted. <laughs> well, you know, we a lot of us like to say we want, uh, you know, New Testament Christianity, but the reality is not so much. Not really. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8 said that the carnal nature, which is another way of expressing our flesh, the carnal nature is at war with God. It's an enemy against God. And we cannot be under the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and under the flesh or the carnal nature at the same time. Therefore, fasting becomes a very essential uh, practice for us to take dominion over the carnal nature or the flesh. I think that is so strong, and if, if there's any place that tells us in the New Testament, it doesn't use the word fasting, but it's talking about taking dominion over the flesh. Tammy, well, that's, that's where we word. are. That's a great word. That's a great word, Chuck. And let's just think about it. I mean, if you're not already on a fast, and many people are, they started at the beginning of January, or possibly mm-hmm. you'll start with me on the 21st, 21, January 21 for 21 uh-huh. days. But listen, my stomach growls. I'm hungry. I, I might get a little shaky. I might get a little moody. I might get a little temperamental. Well, wait a minute. Let um, me. When your stomach growls, are you growling at your husband? Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, we kind of, we do a little separation during a fast. You uh-huh. know, I'm just teasing. <laughs> uh, we do fast together. We as pastors of the church here fast with our church. But uh-huh. let me just tell you what I'm talking about. It's my flesh that's going to react. Uh-huh. I am a I'm a carnal being. So of course, so I have to be prepared. I tell people all the time, prepare yourself for your for your fast. So I have to ready myself. I have to realize that the enemy is going to come after just like he did in Matthew 4, or coming after Jesus when he was fasting. He's going to tempt me with everything there is, the things the world has to give, mm-hmm. the flesh, the food. I'm going to go through that, Chuck. So I have to, I might get a little headache. I might, so I drink a lot of water. I stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. I go on prayer walks. I, I'm in the Word of God. I keep myself busy at work. I put accountability around me. I do things. I have to what I call outsmart the enemy. For 21 days, I have to outsmart the enemy. So I know he's going to come after my flesh, but what happens then, and I'm going to tell people, your stomach will growl for about three to five minutes, and then it subsides. Have you ever been at work and you're starving and you got busy with a with, with something, and next thing you know, and you say, I'm not even hungry anymore? Well, if you'll remember that on a fast, you know, your, your hunger will subside, right? But let it go. Let it go. Pray, intercede, do what you're doing. And make it through that hour, make it through that morning breakfast time, make it through that lunch, whatever you're fasting, and you're going to find out you have strength to succeed, Chuck. You can win the warfare. You can win the battle. Strength for the that's journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's why I believe the food is what you need to fast, because it teaches you to say no to your flesh. <laughs> well, it may ask uh, actually help you to uh, turn your back on the crowd on the demands of the culture, and uh, they are screaming demands, and we yield to those demands. And uh, I think fasting uh, is one of God's special ordained tools to help us to to be able to stand uh, even in the demands of a culture that's screaming at us to conform Mm -hmm. to its its waves. Very, very important. I want to uh, share something very practical here. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, the Lord really put on my heart 
to uh, engage in a 40-day fast. You call it the Moses fast. <clears throat> Moses actually fasted twice for 40 days mm-hmm. and 40 nights. Right. Uh, he drank neither water nor a food. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's something that uh, was, was specifically God-ordained and he supplied uh, uniquely in that situation. But uh, here's what I want to share. I was committed and uh, made it to 21 days. And at 21 days, I began to experience something in my body that I knew was not right, was not good. And uh, so I determined I needed to stop that fast. I was very disappointed because I wanted to press on to 40 days. But I didn't. And uh, here's what I want to share. And that is, during that fast, do not drink coffee, do not drink soft drinks, drink water. And substitute and, and, and augment that water with electrolytes. Make sure you have proper electrolytes in your body. That's the important message that I want to get across. Because if we drain our body of the electrolytes, which coffee and the soft drinks and so on will do, uh, it leaves us in a situation where it can begin to affect our neurological system. Right. And, you know, you weren't, that was an extreme fast. I I actually say it in my videos and on my book, I do not recommend an absolute fast unless God absolutely tells you and your doctor absolutely signs off. So although it seems spiritual, we know there were three with Elijah, Jesus, and Moses. Mm -hmm. Those were extreme circumstances and ones that were definitely ordained by God. So it's noble, and I know great men of the faith and women of the faith do 40-day fast, but it's one that I tell people to be very, very you know, cautious of. Um, and again, remember, why are we doing this? Remember yeah, but would you say a 21-day fast? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think most people would understand that to mean I'm not eating food for 21 days. And what, yeah, and I literally, it's funny because even the fast of the, of the Old Testament, they would fast during the day. They were daily fast. My fast is a sun up to sundown. I explain this in my videos and in my okay. book. So I don't eat sun up to sundown, and then I eat an evening meal. Um, right. So I'm, that to me, that's a smart fast. It's the fast fast God's called me to do, even a Daniel fast where you have vegetables. Um, maybe some people have juices. So all of these fasts I lay out on my website. I've done a lot of research. I've really done my due diligence, I believe, and asked God to direct me in writing this. But I now. Let me just say this. I've been fasting for a number of years. I wouldn't necessarily start a sunup to sundown. For most people starting, I would, if you medically can, if you're not diabetic, you don't have physical reasons not to, I would suggest starting with breakfast. I would say get up in the morning and try to go till noon. Um, and then just offer that. See, the purpose is why are you fasting? It's not just to try exactly. to starve yourself. Up. Exactly. What are you doing during that time? So spend those first few hours. I know you've got to go to work. I know you have children. You've got to get them to school. We have routines. We have life. But carve out some time to pray. Carve out some time to ask. Carve out some time to read the Word of God and offer it. The Bible calls it a living sacrifice. That's what your body is. Mm -hmm. I'm offering this a living sacrifice. So I'm going to sacrifice for four hours. And I'm, you know, you'll be surprised how many temptations you'll have between eight and noon. (laughs) <laughs> but you're going to say no maybe for 21 days. But if your body's not prepared and if you're not ready for a sun up to sundown, don't do that to yourself. 
Maybe you say, I'm going to wake up in the morning. I get up at 7. I'm going to go till 10. Perfect. Spend those first three hours in meditation and prayer and press into what you're asking God for. You're fasting for a change. What is it? And then eat. Eat at 10 till the rest of the day. Tomorrow you come back. And you literally can journey through that 21 days, Chuck, pressing in. I will say you need to make a commitment because if you're too wishy-washy, you'll talk yourself out of it. and be So really know what you're committed to do for 21 days and stay with it because, again, you know, you are you are strengthening your resolve. You're strengthening your faith. You're making a commitment. You're disciplining yourself. These are beautiful attributes and qualities that we all aspire to have. You talk about fasting for character. Now, most of us are characters in some way. <laughs> or a little different definition. Yeah, right. right yeah. But um, we're not necessarily representing the character that God would have us to represent. And uh, if it's all about me, and we, as you said, we live in a selfie world, people are actually killing themselves over selfies, taking huge risks in order to try to gain uh, attention, gain affection, and so on, and ending up uh, in those risks, actually offering their life to the risk that they took just to get a mm-hmm. selfie. Right, right. But the reality is we are living in that kind of an age. It's all about mm-hmm. me. Years ago, I was uh, leaving the Chicago airport and uh, driving along the freeway there, and uh, here was this massive billboard, and here's what it said. Me, me, me. That's all there was on the billboard. Me, me, me. And I said, I thought we were living in the me generation, but now it's the me, me, me generation. Mm-hmm. Well, that same spirit has gripped the church. It's all about me. Right. It's all about me. So mm-hmm. how do we gain dominion over the mm-hmm. all about me entitlement mentality? Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. fasting well, is one of the ways yeah. to do that. And I love it how you started this segment just now. You started talking about fasting for character, which I believe is week two in the book. We start off on day 14, fasting Mm -hmm. for character, and I use the reference of David. And let's touch on this a minute, because we know that David was a man after God's own heart. Right. We look at at him as a righteous man, a man that God even called a man after his own heart. But I chose character because we know the story of David. We know that his pride and flesh got in the way. We know that his eyes fell upon Bathsheba. Uh-huh. He felt that all in the kingdom was his. I guarantee he you he wasn't fasting during that time. No, but he did fast, as we know, because we know <laughs> the story. Let's talk about it. Exactly. He called for her. Uh, she conceived a child. He had you know, Uriah, her husband, sent right. to the front lines. He was murdered, which gave him freedom now to marry her, which he did. She becomes pregnant, as we know, and we know that baby dies because of his actions. And the Bible tells us that he fasted and he prayed until we find out the baby does die. God takes that baby out of, and I'm not going to get theologically into it, whether it was his sin or what it was, but he did fast during that point. And then if the Bible tells us that he rose, he washed his face, and he pressed back in. So mm-hmm. let's talk about character, because literally, listen, everybody listening right now has had those experiences in our life where we've disobeyed God and we fell into sin. Character is getting back up and doing what you know to do is right. And, and repenting, coming clean yeah. with what you did. Right, absolutely, which he did. He confessed his sin. Right. God hurt his heart. Now, we know there were 
consequences like there are in all of our lives. And he didn't get to build the temple, and his son Solomon did. Um, but there are consequences to our sin. But listen, be a man or woman of character, and you do that when you're obedient through course correction with Holy Spirit. No question about it. And, uh, you know, David, it's interesting. My wife and I have been reading through uh, the book of Samuel, First Samuel, and uh, how David dealt after he was anointed as king. He had to run for his life for seven, uh, six years from King Saul. Mm-hmm. And during that time, he had opportunity to take the life of King Saul, who was trying to take his life. Right. And he said no. But he understood authority. He understood he authority. Did. He said, I'm not going to do that because he's God's anointed. That's mm-hmm. God's business. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do what I have to do. Yes, God's anointed me. And it's a fearful thing because he's hunting for my life. But I'm not going to take God's place to do his work. That's something for God to do. That requires a considerable amount of humility, doesn't it? Amen. Amen. Well, and I character. Actually, I, both of those. And that, I'm loving that you're mentioning all these, Chuck, because those are the 21 things that we're doing. We're fasting every day for a different attribute or quality. And actually, day 21 is humility. And we talk about the life of Jesus. And, of course, we know there was none humble. This is a great way to end our time together. There was none more humble than our Lord Jesus. The Bible says who humbled himself. And he took on humanity. He took on the cross for your sin and for my sin. He was lowly. He became humility for us. Mm -hmm. And unless we understand that, Chuck, unless we literally, the Bible calls it, laying low, unless we go low and let him be exalted, um, we don't know what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. So I just pray that over those listening today and pray God will lead them to fast for a change. Amen. Fasting for a change, friends. A double entendre right there in that title. Amen. Thanks for joining us, uh, Tammy. And the book, again, $18 on our website, saveus.org. You can call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries at $5 for Postage and Annie for a life-changing experience. And Tammy has her uh, podcast. Her name is H-O-T-S-E-N-P-I-L-L-E-R, Tammy Hospiller. And she's going to empower you with her coaching. God bless, my friends. Be a blessing and become a partner. Send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. God bless and press on. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.